today's word is called, What is Man? It's a very interesting question. I'm going to read the scripture that it comes from. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you look compassionately upon him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honour and set him over the works of your hands. You've put all things in subjection under his feet. So when we look at this scripture, we look at the word that's used for man. The word in the Greek is anthropos. It's not just a male word, man. It's where the word anthropology comes from. So if you've studied anthropology, you'll see that that's the study of mankind, human societies and their cultural development. That's man in this scripture. God is mindful of man and humanity, mankind. And in fact, that word mindful, naomai in the Greek, emphasizes something as being a fixture of the mind. That's God's mindfulness. And that scripture also says that man has been created a little lower than the angels. That's of a, a lower order than the angels. Because humanity is a spirit being with a body and soul, whereas angels are pure spirit beings. Humanity is a fixture of the mind of God because we've been made in the image of God to reflect his nature of love and creativity. We've been chosen to be his family of sons and daughters in the earth, but not so for angels. So Jesus didn't die for angels. We are the family of God. Even though we've been made of a lower order, because they're pure spirit, but we've been given a body and reflect the sonship that would come through Jesus to the sons and daughters that would be created. So everything that God creates has a degree of separation from him because we're of a lower order, a lower order of being. So there's a difference. But only angels and humanity, both of a lower order of God, of course, have a free will and a consciousness of self-identity that can choose to live in loving and grateful obedience to God or choose a mindset of independent separation from God. That's the choice. It was an angel of darkness, Lucifer, that tempted mankind to disobey God. And from that moment on, a state of independence of the assertion of the human will has been under the sway of that darkness and has acted in favour of its own interests instead of God's. And from the time of Adam through to Jesus, every individual soul lived with an individual sense of identity. Their I am. And that word in the Greek is ego. And that was man, anthropos, humanity, their sense of identity, their I am, their, was their idea of who they were. And the idea of who they were depended mostly upon what was reflected back to them 
by those who had influence over them in their world as they grew up. A person doesn't make up their own identity. They begin to respond to what they're told they are. And then they begin to live that out with their own personality, of course, but their sense of who they are is a reflection of the idea that is imposed upon them. This is who you are. They also had a conscience that guided them to do what was deemed to be right or wrong by those that were telling them what was right or wrong. And they had a free will to follow their conscience or to break the rules and take the consequences. During that time frame, between Adam and Jesus, God set aside a nation of people called Israel and he wanted to give them a sense of their I am, an identity, and also to give them the conscience that was best for them. It was like, here's a test case for man, Anthropos, my people. And he gave them the commandments and a law of life to guide them in the highest practice of wisdom and knowledge concerning how a person should live before their creator God. This determined their conscience of right and wrong and gave them a sense of identity of who they were before God and themselves in the world. Now that became tribal, but that was the only way that God could do it. So you're a special people, you're the test case. So that scripture that I read about what is man, made a little lower than the angels, it goes on to say that in time there would come a certain someone called the Son of Man. And who is the Son of Man? That you have compassion and look compassionately upon him. And that's the same word, man, anthropos, mankind. And this certain someone whom God would crown with glory and honour and place all things in subjection under his feet was Jesus, the Son of Man and the Son of God. Now, Jesus was wanting to explain this to his disciples. That there was a, a generic, a common humanity that we all had. Every one of us. There were a people that were given an opportunity to get the best as you could as a human being, as far as wisdom, a sense of being and identity and guidance and so on. And he wanted to explain to them that there was something different coming because of him, the Son of Man. Everything would be in subjection under his feet. And so he tried to explain this mystery about how they would become one in being with himself and the Father through the work of the Holy Spirit. A different kind of anthropos. Now, it was difficult for them to understand this mystery, but he told them, look, when the Holy Spirit has come, after my resurrection, he will explain it to you. And it will be in the Word. Let me read what he said to them in John 14. A little while... And the world will see me, and then no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all these things that I've said to you. Now, he knew that they couldn't understand it. Now, who can understand that? Can you understand? I'm in my Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you. Now, Jesus was actually telling them that they were going to live with a new sense of who they really were. What is man? What is this anthropos? A new anthropos was coming with a new I am, ego, being one with God in the spirit and drawing life from a new source of being and power from God himself. Jesus knew he'd have to depend on the Holy Spirit to reveal this individually to each person. You don't just get it because you belong to a church or a tribe or a nation. Individually, each person has to get this. But he still said it to them. He said, look, the Holy Spirit will reveal it. And he assured them that they would remember what he said when the Holy Spirit came and started to do that. But just to make sure that they knew the practical meaning of what he was saying, he went on to tell them about the parable, this is the very next verse, of the vine and the branches in John 15. He says, I am the true vine. Take care to live in me and let me live in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit when severed from the vine, nor can you be fruitful apart from me. Now, those disciples walk with Jesus. They were taught this kingdom mystery by him through many parables. There are others like the wine skin, the new wine in the new wine skin, not the old wine skin. But they still found this mystery difficult to understand in their natural minds. There was another apostle called Paul who did not walk with Jesus during his ministry. He didn't hear the parables. And he had to receive this truth of becoming a new creation the way we have to receive it. Each one of us individually. From a revelation of faith. Without that revelation of faith, the other kind of faith of hoping that God will do something really has no substance. This is the revelation of God by his grace acting upon us and to us and through us. Paul's revelation to us of who we are in Christ is perfect and complete and it's waiting alive and ready for each individual in each new generation of believers to embrace this gospel of grace and to live it out. After Jesus died and rose again and the Holy Spirit was sent from heaven to the earth upon all mankind, all flesh, Everybody, anthropos, man, humanity. Everything changed. The whole dynamic in the earth of who man, anthropos, was changed. The Apostle Paul was the one who was able to illuminate the words that Jesus had spoken to his Jewish disciples, which they couldn't quite understand. And he gave this to all the nations, not just the Jews. This now became for all of us. Paul explained the mystery to all the world that the old I am, the ego of the historical old anthropos, man, could now receive a new I am as a new man in Christ. This does a lot 
to an individual. <laughs> this was the good news. That's the gospel that Paul was given from God to tell all the world. And he called this the mystery that has been hidden through all the ages. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's in Colossians chapter 1. His challenge was to help people understand how to manage. Now, this is what you've got to cope with every day. In fact, every hour, and often many times at every hour, we have to know how to manage a life with the existence of two I am's in the same person. Now, if you went on a TV show and a commentator, philosopher, journalist, whoever it was, religious person, if you said, yes, well, this is what Christianity is, you have to deal with two I am's. They would say, well, thank you. Um, can we have some music, please? We'll go to the commercial. These people on another planet. They're mad. This is a mental condition. What's wrong with them? Don't listen to them. Two I am's, two egos in the same person, the old Anthropos and the new Anthropos. Which ego would win the identity contest about who's the real I am in our life? That's been going on in our lives. You don't know about it until you know that it's a reality. But then that contest is there. Which I am is doing this? Which I am is reacting here or responding? <laughs> I mean, that is Christianity. And Paul spoke of his personal understanding of this when he explained how to live real Christianity. He explains it to us. And the, he uses the, the, the very simple, straightforward words that we think, often when we read them, we think, oh, that was Paul. He was an apostle. He lived on a much more lofty plane. Now he's talking about anthropos, humanity, everybody that had an eye. This is what he said. It is no longer I, ego, who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I, ego, now live in the body, I live in the Son of God by faith. He loved me and gave himself for me. I, ego, do not hold back this work of the grace of God. That's in Galatians 2.20. Now he says it clearly and plainly. That's not just some sort of motto or thing. That might happen when you go to heaven. That is for now. That is a new state of I am identity that we take hold of by faith. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it is straightforward and clear in the scriptures. The revelation of this reality gives a person an entirely new mindset of who they really are. They need no longer be held back by a self-centered I am ego which has done its best by trying to be virtuous. Most people try to look virtuous, whether they go to church or the religious or not, they'll find a virtue out there <laughs> to, to champion. Now he's saying, these people that get the new mindset can now adopt a different way of thinking. That is repentance, a change of mind, of being one with God. And they can live from a new I am that is graced with the spiritual power 
and love and wisdom of Christ. Is God that generous or, as I say, is this just for the Apostle Paul? No, no, no. This is the gospel. I would love to see this gospel revived. <laughs> they need no longer see themselves as being an isolated individual, totally dependent upon their own resources and feeling separated from the blessing of a loving God within them. Now, this just doesn't come automatically. You have to press into this, read it, understand it, make a choice to live it, and then go through the dealings of God to start to see it take effect in the life. Now, Paul writes to us on how to do it. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says there's a, there's a process. He said, if you've truly learned Christ and you're able to live not like the unbelievers live, but if you've now learned Christ as you've been taught in him, and he taught this, this is what the church taught once. He says, this is the process. Discard your old anthropos, man, ego, put off the old man, and your former way of life, which is corrupted by deception and wrong desires, and instead let the spirit renew your mind and attitudes. Put on your new anthropos, the new I am, created to be with God and be like God, aligned with God and set apart for him. That's in Ephesians 4. From 17 right through 19, through into the 20s there. He explains what happens as you do this. Now, this is not something that you say, all right, well, I'll do that. And you do it once and say, well, that's kicked in, I'm fine now. No. There is a contest going on to see which I am is going to win your heart in life. And you know it all the time. There are many, many scriptures that are clear all over the place. The spirit desires against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. There's the fruit of the spirit. Oh, that's because you've got that I am. You know who you are. You've joined yourself to the Lord and you're no longer you anymore. You see yourself totally different and you're accountable for that. And yet wonderful things start to happen. It wouldn't have happened before because the new I am, the spiritual I am, Brings forth love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, and all of these things. But the old I am, well, it gets into struggle and conflict and, and, and warring and unkindness and all of those. That's the, all the works of the flesh. A person who lives this kind of life of faith will find themselves pausing to stop and reconsider which I am they are living out of. Unless you're too busy. Most of this world is too busy. <laughs> Got other things that seem more important. There's a material world out there. There's a world of opinions. But a person who pauses to stop and reconsider which I am they're living out of will realise that the old ego does not want to die. It wants to hang on. It wants to be the one with the power, the control and the options. But it has to surrender and die. <laughs> That's repentance. In order to have faith, real faith. But it wants to win the contest. And the Holy Spirit has been sent into the world to win that struggle within us. That says that in John 16. He works to renew our mind so that just as we are a fixture 
of the mind of God. What is man that you are mindful of him? God can't get us off his mind. And when he looks, he can't help but looking compassionately at us, saying, I know you guys are at a disadvantage. You're even lower than the angel in the sense that you can't even see things in the spirit. But I'm going to give you this thing called faith and grace. I'm going to work it on the inside, but you've got to, you've got to get a hold of it and let it take you within itself. What is man that you're mindful of him? So we're a fixture of God's mind. So what he really is saying here, I want you to make me a fixture of your mind so that you can live with me. Because I'm sure living with you, but you probably don't know it. I want to turn that around. I want to get something happening in this earth. Our natural born I am now, I'm, I'm going to talk about our old anthropos now. That's you and me in our natural state. When I say in our natural state, I know that natural state very well. I've lived with it for many, 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 many years. It's got some good sides and some bad sides. But it's my natural state. And it's not all bad. It's not like, oh, you're flesh. Oh, don't come near me. No, that's, that's the me. That's the me that God's known for all my life that he's had compassion on and given grace to, trying to get me to understand what I really am. But he doesn't say, get out of here. You're not good enough. That doesn't come into his mind. He's given us the way. And the natural born I am, yours and mine, is created in the image of God with a uniquely individual personality and a potential for remarkable skills and amazing creativity that can live out of a good conscience and grow in character and integrity. That's all going on in the old man. There's some wonderful, beautiful people living without any understanding of God because they're created in the image of God and they can be a blessing to people. That's fine. So we live with an individual sense of identity that's our idea of who we are, and our natural I am can live a relatively good life and find personal fulfilment insofar as, as life is in this disordered world, what it can afford you <laughs> with all of, its, all of its afflictions. They come alike. They come upon everybody, the afflictions. And nobody escapes from them. And the natural man does its best. We're watching it happen. We can see it in ourselves rising up to try and take this thing on and be the ones in charge as if it were. God says, no, no, no. Flow with me. Our natural I am also has the potential to behave in a self-serving and ungodly way that can be harmful to ourselves and to those around us. But God knows each heart and he'll deal justly with each one of us. And he's drawing people into their I am. Our new spiritual born I am. We are born naturally and we're born spiritually by faith. Let me try and explain to you now, what is the status? What is the, the sense of being? What does it feel like to be a person knowing this caught in the middle of it? Then what do I do next? 
what we're doing, we take this on board, we're learning to live by faith in a surrendered union with the indwelling life of God. That's our lesson in the spirit every day. To be still and know that he is God. To be a surrendered person that learns to live, that learns to let go of things, that learns to die to self. That's the journey. This person in this process finds a new sense of identity which is based upon God's perfect idea of who we are in oneness with his life. He knows exactly who you are, what the goal is, where he's taking you. He's not going to throw away the old you. He's just going to take the old, the old you and say, look what I can do with this. Still got your sense of humor. Still got everything. But you've got me in times of trouble like never before. When you pray, when you surrender your prayer, you will see answers like you've never believed to receive. This new I am can reach the true potential that God sees in us rather than the limited potential of what we strive to imagine. The Bible says the Holy Spirit shows us how true I am in God's word. It's like a mirror. So that when I look into it, I see what kind of anthropos I am. It's all about what I've been sharing here. But when I turn away and don't fix my mind upon God, I forget what kind of man I am. I forget what, let me put it another way, I forget what kind of I am I am. It's so easy to forget. I'm forgetting it all the time. And the learning process is cutting short the time space between forgetting and remembering it again. Because as soon as you remember, you're in there and faith is happening. And then you see everything differently. I can let go of that. Shut up. That's okay. I can see what you're really doing, Lord. James 1, 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and holds on to what they hear it say, that's the word, they hear what it says to them, and they live it and doesn't forget it, they will be blessed in everything they do. James 1.25. So, let this be a fixture of our mind, that our new I am is always us and God together. Your new I am. Now, listen to this sentence. Your new I am is always you and God together in everything you do. That's your mindset. You think, oh no, that's if I'm, if I'm doing the right thing. No, no, you're doing the wrong thing. Your real I am is you and God, and God's there with you doing the wrong thing, saying, I've got mercy on you. I know you don't want to be getting this all mucked up, but I'm still with you, and I can get you back into the, into the zone, into the range of my grace where you're. Oh, thank you, Lord. He never leaves you alone. Amen, alone. Paul tells us to discard the old limited and isolated anthropos that gets confused by the uncertainties of life in this disordered world and plunge into the new anthropos. That word that I read from Ephesians chapter 4 where it says, put off the old man, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man. The word put on actually means plunge into it. Just dive in, because it's there waiting. And taste heaven while living on this earth, living a reordered life that begins to reorder everything around you. It means things will change. 
Looks like they're getting worse sometimes. And God says, yeah, this is called reordering. You know what it's like cleaning out the house? Place looks like a mess, but it's on the way. It's being reordered. A person who puts this into practice and who spends generous time in the presence of the Lord, I mean that, spend generous time sitting, waiting, while quietly allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus and the Father to them, will find themselves oddly feeling the things that God feels and thinking the things that God is thinking in a subtle but certain way. You'll know that's God speaking. And hearing the things that God has to say. They will go through difficult times, being comforted by the wonder of a loving God, always with them in the pain of this life. Because he's always there. It's no longer you, it's you and him. Always. If you've got your mind on it. Well, it's always even if you haven't got your mind on it. But having your mind on it makes it real for you. They will do the things that God prompts them to do. And they will know that everything strangely happens to bring about his perfect will and purpose for them. And they will give thanks for all things in this life. Amen. Lord bless you.